Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in here to the Friday Shootaround. I am Ryan Gilbert. Today we are joined by former Wildcat Mason Schoen. Of course, we're sponsored by the Part-Time Beverage Company. Be sure to check them out at your local liquor store whenever you can. But Mason, how are you doing, man? I'm doing very well. I appreciate you for asking me on to the show, Ryan, and excited to talk some Cats basketball. So, uh, yeah, it's a great time to be a Wildcat and just really, really impressed with everything we've done so far this year and excited to kind of get into the conversation about it. Let's dive right into things here and, and start from that KU game on Tuesday. You know, any loss, I'm sure hurts as a former player, but when that final buzzer sounds and you lose to, you know, your rival Kansas, I'm sure that one hurts a little bit more, doesn't it? It definitely does. Um, I think you said it best. Every loss is hard to take and hard to accept, but it seems like every time when you play KU, the small mistakes just seem all that much bigger. And in the grand scheme of things, you just kind of think back to all of them. They seem to haunt you. Whereas any other game, you know, you're obviously upset about the loss, but it's more so the back to the drawing board type mentality. Whenever you lose the rival down the street, it just feels like it kind of all eats at you. And you just always keep thinking what we could have done better and what could have gone our way. If we would have made this play or that play, how would that maybe have affected the outcome of the game? So for sure, I, I think there's a lot of disappointed Cats fans out there um, from the loss on Tuesday. Um and I do feel like we left some plays out there, but at the same time, I'm still really proud of the guy's effort and still think we're trending in the right direction. So I definitely wouldn't get too beat up on it if I'm a K-State fan, especially knowing that the gauntlet the Big 12 is. You can't let one loss turn into potentially two. So I think that's key to going into Saturday's game against Texas. Yeah, and you mentioned how one loss can turn into two. We'll get into that later. But you you also mentioned how one or two plays can really change a game when you're playing at KU, right? Do you think it's it's more of a matter of KU feeding into that energy and having a home court advantage, or is it the opponent, the away team, that just seems to get flustered playing in Allenfield House? I think it's a combination of the two. Um, you know, I'll fully admit, as hard as it is for me to give them credit sometimes, they have created a very insane atmosphere over there, and the energy level seems to buzz off the top of the roof. And, you know, even just – before tip-off, it seems like when all the students are yelling and the fans are up on their feet and the ref's about to throw the ball, you kind of just catch yourself thinking like, my gosh, this is something wild right now. And it's not something you see every road game. So I do think it is a combination of that atmosphere is pretty difficult to play in, as well as every road team that goes there just seems like there's always some stretch where they just don't play their best basketball. And that's all KU needs to feed off of to make their run. And like we saw on Tuesday, I mean, it was, we were right there for the first five to seven minutes. And then all of a sudden they rip off that, I don't know, 10 or 12 to zero run, 12, two run, whatever it was. And that's just so hard to then come back from that because it usually results in calling a timeout 
which usually results in their fans going ballistic, which usually results into then you start sitting in that chair at the timeout thinking, oh, shoot, like what do we get ourselves into? So I think the teams that have been successful there and going in and getting a win in Alpulas, which obviously has not been too many, it, it seems like, in my opinion, even though this would be contrary to popular belief with how TCU did it a few weeks back, my opinion is the teams that have the best chance to beat them there are the ones that just stay head in head for the entire game, maybe even are behind by three to five points going into that final under four timeout, and then they just make the run right then and there. Um, I think both my junior year, 2016 to 17, and my senior year, 27 to eight, 2017 to 2018, we lost by two points and lost by one point in the exact same format played out in that game where we had our, our best chance. We had our best player take the shot with under 15 seconds to go, and it just obviously didn't turn out our way. But I think that is the recipe to beating that team in that building. Let's talk about the rivalry and sort of the trajectory, the trajectory that this thing is on with Jerome Tang. He's obviously tried to kind of take out the hatred in it and make it more about the love for K-State and, and less about what it is that you might not like about KU if you're a fan, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, Bruce Weber, this isn't a, a knock on Weber at all, but he didn't really try to take away that, you know, chant that, you know, the FKU chant and all that stuff. And, and Tang really did make an effort to get that to go away. And it looks like that thing is going to be a, a thing of the past. And so I guess your just overall thoughts on the rivalry. Do you think it's going to change much or is that hatred always going to be there with K-State fans? Or do you think Tang has has kind of changed the mentality? I, I would say I th- I don't know if I'd use the word hate with how I'm going to describe this, but I do feel like there's always going to be a buildup of energy that collides when it comes to ri- a rivalry. I mean, I think that's just the obvious. That's what kind of makes it fun in a way is – one fan base is not like the other and vice versa. But I will say I do love the fact that Tang was able to implement what he did. And I honestly never thought I'd see the day of that. So give him and that yeah. staff and the program all the credit in the world for being able to do that and to be able to change around that quickly. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, just to hit on your other qu- point of the question is I do love where the rivalry is going. I think that with Tang on board and how this team is playing and how the staff is recruiting, I don't see why this rivalry can't be a lot more evenly matched in the years coming up. Um, obviously, it's, KU's still a great program, and I'm not saying it's going to be any easy feat. But with the way K-State's program is trending upward, I would say that we're going to see a lot of good close games between those two teams for years to come. What went wrong on Tuesday for K-State in the Sunflower Showdown? You know, the two things that stood out the most to me were transition defense, number one. Um, I'm not sure if it was just that game or having the quick turnaround of Saturday, Tuesday. I know at this point in the season, you'd hope that it wouldn't be the quick turnaround because everyone's kind of facing those. But I feel like in the games we've lost, especially TCU and KU, it just seems like we don't get back well and communicate well um, in transition on defense. Uh, I mean, a few of them that stick out to me are just even sometimes on slow breaks and they were still getting open three pointers, which should never happen. Um, And it just seemed like KU was beating us down the court in crucial situations too, nonetheless. So it's one thing where, you know, they score and K-State's bringing it up and you got to somehow get at least a good shot attempt. I felt like that there was that span there and that, 10-0 10-0 or 12-0 run, whatever it was, where we either turned it over or we airballed a shot or got a shot blocked, and then they were just off to the races. So I think that's what kind of started their run. And then from there, it's just once they start hitting three-pointers in transition, that's where you give all their crowd and those fans that energy level that they're looking for, um, as well as I think it's kind of been a pressing issue all year long, but just rebounding. 
I feel like too many times in crucial situations, whether it was like Grady Dick getting that offensive rebound that kicked it out, that passed it to Zach Clements and he makes a deep two, um, or just keeping uh, KJ Adams off the boards and got offensive rebounds. Uh, it's just little things like that where you can't play great defense for 25 to 27 seconds of the shot clock and then do all the hard work and then just simply not box out or not go after the rebound like it's the very last play of the game. So definitely both correctable things. And I feel like every team is going to have their weaknesses. So I don't think it's something that K-State can improve on and can't correct moving forward. But I think both those things are going to be critical in terms of seeing us trend more upward. And and if we want to compete for a Big 12 championship, I think both those things are going to have to improve. Sure. And it's interesting because the the pace of this game – you know, usually favored Kansas State in the Big 12 prior to that game on Tuesday, mm-hmm. right? Playing fast, getting up and down the court had been K-State's bread and butter all year long. Now, obviously, they won some games in the 50s and 60s, sure, but, you know, by and large, those wins at Texas and Baylor to open up conference play were, were games in the 90s and the 100s, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, Kansas State got beat at its own game, kind of, um, in Lawrence. And so I'll, I'll pivot to this with that game, the technical foul that Tang got. I'm curious your opinion on that. I, you know, Tang, I don't think, wanted to get a technical, but he was okay with getting a T. Um, you know, he wanted to stand up for his guys. Do you think that's a good, you know, coaching strategy by Tang? I do. I, I'm a firm advocate of it. Obviously, there's no great time to ever get a technical foul. And I think at that point in time, we might have been down five or six. So like, obviously giving them four straight free throws, I believe is never ideal. But at the same time, I think if you're going to do it, you got to stand your ground early on because, uh, you know, there's obviously the always um, going back and forth with the debate of, Oh, do refs actually give more calls? KU is that blown out of proportion? And I, I am an advocate that I do think refs go in there a little, little intimidated and they want to make the calls based on the energy of the crowd. And so obviously that's usually going to favor KU. Um, but I was proud of Tang for doing that because it was one of those things where I went back and watched a few of the replays and it was just pretty ridiculous that fouls weren't called. Um, I just remember one specifically, Naquan driving to the rim, just getting absolutely slapped in the face. And then that resulted in them running out and getting fouled the other end. I believe that's actually what ignited Tang's technical foul. So it's just stuff like that as referees, I feel like you can't miss. Um, I get it. You're not going to get every call as the opposing team going into downfield house, but some of the obvious ones, especially toward the rim, I feel like you just got to call as well as the one thing that kind of hurts in my opinion, whether people agree with it or not, is I, I do think that teams toward the top of the league probably get more favorable calls. And at this point in time, K-State has earned that right, you know, being first or second in the league. So I think it's time for some of these referees that have been around the game for a while to start respecting that and to start acknowledging that, hey, we can't just go giving every call to KU because K-State's right up here. And K-State actually was a game ahead of them going into this game. So whether referees want to say, you know, it's always 50-50, it's always impartial, unbiased, I do think K-State should probably be getting some more calls. And then even taking it a step further, like Keontae Johnson, I feel like, He's earned that right, uh, just like Jalen Wilson has, that when he drives the rim, if there is any kind of contact whatsoever, it probably should be getting called. He's a good enough player. He's earned that. And so I've been a little frustrated in the past few games when he hasn't gotten the calls that I think he deserves. So we'll see if that plays a big part moving forward, though. Taking a step back, what do you think Tang's biggest strengths and weaknesses are as a head coach? Is there something that's maybe surprised you um, to the first half of conference play from Tang? You know, I think the biggest thing that surprised me um, and the thing that I've admired the most is just his ability to 
make great calls in after timeout situations. I think that's one thing that really separates a good coach from a great coach. I mean, I, again, I don't love giving him credit, but Bill Self down the road, he's always been, been, been fantastic at after timeout play calls. And it's one KU games, if you really think about it. And so to see K-State's out-coach Bill Self that first time around in Manhattan and have some very effective after timeout calls that resulted in buckets for us is huge. And I think that's a tribute to both Coach, Dan, Coach Tang and the entire staff. Uh, he's always given credit to his staff, and I think that has played a big role in this. So that would be one area that I would say has been really effective um, just because that can really be the difference of a win and a loss at the end of the day, as well as just the thing that I've most been most impressed with, with Tang coming to K-State as well, is just his ability to get everyone to buy in. I mean, just from the yeah. players to the staff, to the fans, to the donors, to the alumni. I mean, it's everyone. I- I've yet to run into someone that doesn't like the guy and rightfully so because he truly embodies what it means to be a wildcat even if he's only been here a short period of time and he embodies the family aspect and you know like we already talked about i mean he got the entire kansas state student section to stop chanting fku so i mean i think it just speaks volumes of his character and what he's done at k-state and i mean i'm just excited to see him continue to lead these young men any weaknesses other than the four losses on the on the resume you know, the only weakness, and I don't know if it's a knock on him by any means, it's just tough playing in the Big 12 in general. Every game is is a battle. There is no bottom tier, in my opinion. Um, and so some parts are just the other teams we're playing in the matchups, and then some parts are just the uh, the team that we have. Obviously, like Budkey said last week, we can't do anything to go change our roster, nor do I really want to. You know, I really like these guys. It's been an amazing team to watch. I would just say I would like to see a little bit more improvement maybe from like the rebounding standpoint. Again, like I said, you have what you have. And so I know we don't necessarily have multiple seven-footers that are 250 pounds that you know are just getting every rebound possible. But I would like to see just a little bit more fight and just a little bit more um, intentional focus on that side. Because I really think that could be the difference in whether K-State wins the Big 12 or doesn't. How much of that is is coaching, though, and how much of that is just, you know, guys like Ish Masood or Tomlin, whoever's that, you know, playing down low, Bebe, how much is it just them stepping up and, and getting tougher, man? Yeah, no, I, I think – I'm glad you asked that question because I really do think it's about 50-50. I think as a coaching staff, you need to emphasize it. I'm a firm believer in what you permit, you promote. And so even if you're not necessarily – saying it's okay to not get rebounds. If you're not coaching at every possible time, if you're not stopping practice, all right, here, right there, great example. We can't give up that offensive rebound, you know, if you're just playing some five-on-five situation. So I think we probably got to do a better job about that in practice. And again, I'm stating that off speculation. I've not watched a single K-State practice this year, so I don't know what they're practicing. Um, But I do think that being a little bit more intentional in practice, and then the other side of it is the other 50% of every guy just got to look themselves in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm going to be the most physical and the toughest dude out there on that court tonight. There is no way I'm letting anyone steal the ball from me. There's no way I'm letting anyone get a rebound on me. And obviously, you know, just depends on how the ball bounces. Sometimes you're not going to be able to get it. But from an intentional standpoint, I would say if we just – made a little bit more of an effort and blocking out to start out with when the shot goes up, instead of just going to try to get it with our athleticism. I truly do believe we could out rebound every team that we play from here on out. We'll wrap up the first half with this Mason. I've asked pretty much everybody that I've had on this show. Um, have you gotten a chance to connect with the staff? I know that you were here in Manhattan um, last week and you got honored. You got recognized at halftime with, with all your former players. Have you gotten to, uh, to talk with, with Tang and his staff? 
I actually have not. I'm a little bit bummed about it, but it's completely on myself. Um, the staff and the program actually came to Kansas City back in October, um, and they, they did a scrimmage, I believe, against Southern Illinois or something. And I was invited to go meet the staff at the team hotel that night. I was actually down in Fort Worth supporting the Cats football program down there for the TCU road game. So I had to miss out on that one. And then last weekend was Legends weekend. And Friday night, they had a little reception and I had a conflict come up. So I could only make the game on Saturday and do all that stuff. So obviously didn't get the opportunity to connect with the staff in that manner. But the one thing I will say is I just love how the second that Tang got on campus, he really uh, made it a priority to connect with the alumni. And, and, you know, he reached out to all of us via email and said, hey, guys, this is your program. You know, K-State basketball is nothing without what you guys have created to this point. And so I really appreciated that. And I, I'm sure I'll have some more opportunities moving forward. But definitely just got to respect and, and appreciate everything he's done for this program so far. We'll go ahead and take a quick break here on the Friday Shootaround. And once again, we're sponsored by the Part-Time Beverage Company. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in here to the Friday Shootaround. I am Ryan Gilbert. Today we are joined by former Wildcat Mason Schoen. Once again, we're sponsored by the part-time beverage company Mason. Kansas State here. This is a huge game coming up against Texas on Saturday. If they lose, your Big 12 title hopes are slim, right? If, if you win, Kansas State's got a true chance to, uh, to to win a Big 12. And what do you think the the biggest key is to, to not only beating Texas here, but, but also, um, you know, winning the Big 12? I know you touched on some things earlier, but you know, how, how realistic is it for Kansas State to, to do this? Bruce Weber did it his first year um, at K-State. Can Tang do the same? You know, I truly believe that we can. I know you had Bud Key on the show last weekend, or last week, and he said, well, it's going to take some luck. And while he's not totally wrong with that, just because the Big 12 is a gauntlet, you're going to have to have some things go your way. That's not of question. But I truly do believe that we can win this league. And I think we've showcased it up to this point with our resume so far, obviously I think that we need to clean up some mistakes and, and just limit some little things that have been killing us or hurting us in the past. But I truly do believe, and I think the entire fan base should be in full belief that we can do this. Um, just hitting on, like you said, with the game on Saturday against Texas, I think that's extremely pivotal. I think this could be the fork in the road of our season, whether we win it and trend up and have a great shot at winning this league, or if we lose it and we can't correct things moving forward and we let one loss against KU on Tuesday turn into two losses on Saturday against Texas to potentially three with TCU coming into Bramwich the very next Tuesday. So, you know, I do think it's pivotal, and I think the key to the game is going to be limiting mistakes. I truly do believe we would have been right in that KU game if we would have limited the turnovers limited their offensive rebounds, and then just maybe made the smarter plays and start, instead of trying to make the quick plays. And don't get me wrong, I know some of those quick plays have really worked for us and made us an effective team in the past. So I definitely don't want to take the aggressiveness out of the team's hands. You know, if you've got Marquise pulling up from 25 feet, he's made those before. So I don't, I don't necessarily want to say, hey, stop shooting that. If Naquan's driving the rim, 
and turns it over. You know, I know he's he's driven to the rim before this year and it's been super effective for us. So I definitely don't want to say don't do any of that. I just think right place, right time, and just be in the right basketball smart situation and take advantage of those when, when you do have them. Is this a game that you think K-State should win 64 to 61, or should it be a game where they're going up and down the court and, you know, winning in the 90s? You know, I think it's going to be lower scoring than that first time around versus Texas. Okay. Well, I think it's going to be – yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still kind of in shock of that game when I think back to it. I mean, the fact that we put up 116 points and we were just hitting on all cylinders. I mean, just offensively completely. And the key to that game, in my opinion, was everyone stepped up. You know, obviously we got a ton of production from Keontae and Marquise. There's no doubt about that. But then Cam gave us great production. Naquan in the second half gave us great production. Bebe gave us great minutes. Um, I mean, just everyone. It, we just played really, really well. And so I think if we can get back to that, even if you're not making shots at that high of a clip like we did against in the first time, if you can just get back to everyone contributing a little bit, I think that we're going to have a great chance to win that game. And, you know, knock on wood, don't want to jinx anything right now, but we've done a great job protecting home court so far during this season. So, I mean, I think if we still show up with the right mindset, if we have a great practice Thursday, Friday, great walkthrough and shoot around on Saturday and go into that game well-prepared mentally, I think we're going to be fine. I'm a believer that most teams, most elite teams have to have, you know, three big scores, right? And you look at back at, at your Big 12 championship team, right, with Barry, Dean, and Kamal, those were three guys that could go out, compete, and score, right? I think this K-State team has Naquan, or excuse me, they have uh, Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel, but, you know, that third guy, I think they're still trying to find that on a consistent basis. They've gotten a number of guys like Naquan Tomlin in the non-conference, and, you know, Desi Sills went off against KU, Ishma Suits come in and hit some big threes, um, you know, so guys have pitched in here and there, but they're still searching for somebody to get that game in and game out and really compliment Noel and Johnson. Cause you look at that stat line against KU, Noel and Johnson both dropped 20 points. Nobody else was up there with them. And so who, who do you think Mason is that third score that can really evolve uh, more importantly on a consistent basis for K-State? Yeah, no, I think you said it best, Ryan. If you look back at any of the past big 12 championship teams, a lot of them have had, if not all of them, have had three major scores. And so I do think that's important. And I think it can, it has kind of gone hidden so far in this year because, as you alluded to, we've had those various guys, whether it's been Desi, Ish, Naquan, Cam Carter, someone has stepped up to complement the other two scores and been that third score. And it was kind of one of those carousel situations where it just seemed to be someone different every game. And so to be honest, I don't necessarily know if we have to have one of those guys emerge full-time, but we just can't afford to not have the same production out of all of them all in the same game. So like you said, I mean, we got great production scoring-wise from Keontae and Marquise on Tuesday against KU, but the others necessarily didn't bring what, they've, what they're capable of bringing. Um, and it's not a knock on them. It's just sometimes it's not your night, and that's a tough place to play and tough place to shoot anyway. But I do think that's going to be crucial moving forward is – yeah, all of them are going to have to step up and raise their game a little bit. But if we can at least just get that third guy to be in that 12 to 15 point range, I think that's going to be enough. Can David Gasson be that guy? I mean, I think he deserves a chance to to be in that conversation just because he's been injured for so long. But once he's at 100 percent, not only with his game, but just with this conditioning, could he be that guy? Absolutely. I, I really love David's game. And I think the key to him being that guy is going to be is going to come down to making free throws. I think he's going to go to the free throw line enough 
um, consistently in games. You just got to be able to make them. And I'll give him credit. He did really well against KU, comparatively speaking to some of his past few games. But I think he's going to he's gonna get fouled because we got a lot of facilitators, whether it's Cam or Marquise, that are able to get him the ball in effective situations to score. And he gets fouled a lot. So you just got to be able to knock those free throws down. I know it's easier said than done, but – I think if he can take a stride forward with that step of his game, I think there's no question at all that he could be that third scorer for us. So K-State's ranked seventh right now in the country. Obviously, a loss to KU is probably going to bump that back a little bit. And I don't know how much you follow college basketball as a whole with the top 25 or anything like that. But but where do you think K-State is like in the country right now? Does this feel like a top 10 team? They were number five last week. How does this team – line up, especially in the NCAA tournament, where is this team, obviously their weaknesses are going to be, you know, down low in the paint probably. Where does this team match up with everybody else, though? I think we're right up there with top 10s, top 12, to be honest with you. I don't okay. think that ranking is inflated by any means. I don't think that we got to that position through luck. I truly do believe we have a good basketball team. And I think it was one of those situations when we ripped off nine wins in a row, you almost had to like pinch yourself and and realize like, wait, is this real life? Or are we just dreaming right now? Cause it had been a while, obviously, since we were, you know, ranked in general and then up into the top 15 and then the top 10, that's huge getting all the way to number five. So, you know, I definitely do think that we have our weaknesses, just as you said, every team does. Uh, but I don't think that there's any reason that those weaknesses should necessarily hinder us from winning a big 12 championship and hinder us from making a run in the postseason in the NCAA tournament. I definitely think we got to continue to work on those things. Um, and you're going to have to, on some nights when it's not your night, you're just going to have to win with the intangibles, whether that's winning a defensive battle, whether that's uh, making a crucial play at the end of a game, whether whether it's Ish making a crucial shot against Baylor. I, I mean, I love the fact that we went for the three in that situation on the road down two. Why not? And it paid off for us. So I do think people are going to continue to step up. But I don't think that this is just some illusion um, and some misrepresentation of what we've done so far. And completely got to give credit to that staff and the program in general for just being able to turn things around so quickly. Texas coming up on Saturday, followed by TCU. Do you think that it's okay to just expect or, or hope that Kansas State can go one and one in these two, you know, quote unquote, big games? Or has that you know, that standard of K-State basketball been raised to wow, to where now Kansas State has to win both of these two games. What are you expecting? Do you think it's okay if they just win one? You know, I, I to answer your question, I do believe we've risen the standard. And for me personally, as a basketball alumni and a fan, I, I truly do believe that we should go in and win both these games. Obviously, I know that there's more involved in that than just – me hoping and wishing that we're going to get it done. But I do think we're more than capable of sweeping these next two teams. Now, is it going to take a great game for both games? Absolutely. Are we going to have to be completely locked in on the scouting report? Absolutely. Are we going to have to stay healthy? No question. So I do think that there's some things that definitely still have to go our way. But at the same time, I do believe that we can win these games. And I think the fan base should start to believe that as well. Now, I will say that um, – I do believe that the Big 12, the eventual Big 12 champion will have at least five losses. So I don't think it needs to be doomsday if we do split with them one-on-one. I was reading something today that actually said K-State, technically speaking, has the easiest uh, remainder conference schedule out of all the Big 12 teams. So as we've already talked about, there is no gimmies in the Big 12. You could easily go to Lubbock here in a few weeks and lose. You could easily play Oklahoma at home and get your butt kicked. Like There's plenty of opportunities to lose games. But at the same time, all cards on the table, at least we do have the easiest remaining schedule. And I think some of those other teams that are up there with us right now 
you know, they're going to have to go play some tougher games. I mean, KU going to Ames, even though Iowa State hasn't looked like the same team the last two games, that's just going to be a tough place to play, as it always is. Um, and then, obviously, Texas still has to go at Baylor and vice versa. So you've got some opportunities here where if you can rip off these next two wins, you're going to be putting yourself in a really good position. And vice versa, if you happen to split one-on-one or, God forbid, go 0-2, then you're putting yourself in a pretty deep hole that's going to be hard to climb out of. So it'll be fun. I think I think we'll know a lot more from the Big 12 title race here in the next two to three games for all the teams, that is. Mason, we'll wrap up with this, man. You guys went to the Elite Eight. Did K-State maybe catch some breaks there with the 16 seed and all that? You know, sure, people are going to say that mm-hmm. all day long. But, you know, beating Kentucky, I think that was such a legitimate victory for you guys. And so what does it take for a team to – to go deep into March Madness. I'm sure this team's going to be there unless something goes terribly wrong over the last half of the Big 12 play. What does Kansas State need to do to, to have success? We talked about the Big 12 to win a conference. What does K-State have to do in March Madness to have success? Yeah, I'd say the two major components, in my opinion, from my experience that I've seen is, number one, the entire program has to be fully locked in. I think it's too easy, especially, knock on wood, if K-State keeps trending in the right direction – they have a great chance to be a great high seed. And, you know, it's something that we haven't seen in a while from a K-State basketball team. So that obviously means you're going to end up playing a team that's probably from a little bit lower of a conference, low major of a conference. And that's not a knock on them. That's just usually how the seeding works. And if you're not all 100% locked in, whether it be on the scouting report, whether it be on your treatment and preparation, both mentally and physically, whether you're not prepared during walkthrough and the coaches are going into heavy detail on everything that's going to go on that the opponent's trying to do to you, then you could wake up the next day and have lost to a, you know, a three to a 14 seed or two to a 15 seed. It's very possible. So I'd say the one thing that made it successful in that 2018 year is the entire program was just locked in, whether it was from the head coach to the managers, the players, it didn't matter. Everyone had that same goal of we are here to do something special and we're not going to waste this opportunity. And then number two, I would say is you're going to have to have some contributions from guys that step up that, are going to maybe score more than their average on the year, maybe go make a few plays here and there that we haven't seen, similar to the Desi Sills game against KU. I mean, obviously, he hasn't come close to scoring 24 points a game since then or before then, but it's the type of games like that that you kind of need to hit your stride in March Madness, and it's one of those things where it can happen to anyone. Uh, I mean, it truly can, and March is a special time. I've always said you got to throw out percentages once you get to that tournament, because anyone can go off, as we obviously saw against Loyola in that Elite Eight game, the one that still stings. I mean, credit to them. They made the plays. They made the shots, even when their percentages didn't say that. And so I think anything can happen in March, and it's just a fun time. And that's why you got to love to be a Cats fan right now with the direction it's going in. Um, but, yeah, those would be the two keys, I would say. If we want to make a run, got to be fully locked in on everything and then got to have some contributions from players that step up that maybe do a little bit more than they did during the regular season. Mason, I appreciate you hopping on with me. Maybe here in a few months, we can get your your brother on and talk some K-State football. (laughs) Absolutely. No, he would love that. So I'll definitely plant that seed in his ear and, and make sure he knows. He's Mason Schoen. I am Ryan Gilbert. This was the Friday Shoot Around. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. 
This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.